Welcome to Take a Walk, a podcast that happens outside, with your host, Vanessa Gritton. Hey, you're listening to Take a Walk Podcast. This is your host, Vanessa Gritton, and I'm really excited about my special guest today because we've actually previously recorded this episode. Yeah! This is Anna Valenzuela. Hi! One of the funniest human beings I know. We previously Aww. tried to record this episode uh, by stealing footage from yeah. Museum of Death. It was so much fun. It was such a great day. It was a real fun day. Uh, sorry, Museum of Death, for breaking rules. But then we found out that uh, all that hiding equipment on our bodies... Didn't work. Yeah, that that sucked. That, that's kind of what we deserved, probably. Yeah, yeah. for breaking rolls. Ooh, karma. Ooh, it was rub your instant. crystals together. <laughs> <laughs> Which crystals do you rub together for violations of uh, of? Is it FC? It's not FC. Violations uh, of the museum rule. I have no idea. I think it's I, quartz. <laughs> probably it's probably all quartz. It's just different quartz. kinds kinds of quartz. Uh, we're, today we're talking about the Museum of Death, which I'm real excited about, mm. uh, because it's like both of our church instead of church. Yeah! Yeah, it's a real calming place and a real uplifting place if you have a stomach for gnarly things. Yeah! Yeah. Did you go back when they did the, uh, test before admission? Mm. Oh, where they show you the picture? Yeah, they and show you a picture can... of, like, a bad accident. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the test. So I was I think I was one of the last people to get the test because I went when I was nineteen, I believe, and I went with my best friend who was majoring in forensic science mm-hmm. at the time. And before they would sell you a ticket, they would make you look at a horrible photo of a road accident. Nice, like real gnarly. Uh, and if you said that's fine, then they would sell you a ticket. Okay. And then some people got a little bit upset where it's just kind of like, why do I got to take a test to get in? And so they removed it. But I personally loved right. that. It weeds things out pretty pretty easily. Because if you're not, if you haven't been, because I was an anthropology major, so mm-hmm. I've taken like anthrolab, I've done physiology, anatomy, I've seen cadavers, I've yep. dissected animals. Like once, if you don't have the stomach for that, that is not the place for you. It's not. <laughs> yeah. There's a specific part of the museum that I've seen, but even I know I can't really stomach it all that well. And you're <laughs> laughing because <laughs> when we were there, I had you describe it to me because yeah. it just makes me sweaty to look at it. Oh, let's get into it. Okay, so here's... <laughs> okay, so you walk in and there's the most fascinating room where you could spend hours. It's yeah. artwork and letters from serial killers. And that's actually their first exhibition. First exhibition. Beautiful. And it's really interesting because it, it hits a... Co- it, it does a thing as a museum that is a con- Comic and like a rose battle person that I like to do. Mm. I like to hit with a very strong opener, <laughs> just just clock them over the head. And there's nothing stronger than like the uh, John Wayne Gacy, Pogo the Clown, Pogo the Clown. That was their first big get. Oh, it's so good, and it's so. The best thing about the museum is it's so, like, just the refrigerator of a demented mother. Because it's very much oh, like yeah. the pictures are just kind of on the wall. There's Where it's not just a like, lot I'm of... so proud of my little psychopaths. Because yeah. if you've seen the people that actually run it, they very much look mom and pop. 
Yeah, they're just like nice weirdos, like LA weirdos. Like yeah, old old goths is it, what they look like. Their first museum was started in San Diego in 1995 by J.D. Healy and Catherine Schultz, and they said they wanted to open the museum just to make people happy about being alive. Yeah, which is. Exactly yeah. how you feel. And it was mostly because their hobby was writing letters to serial killers and sending them questionnaires and pleas for art. And that's what their first exhibit is. Whoa. That was their first collection that they put together and they like built the museum around that serial killer room. Ah. Uh, the reason they're not in San Diego anymore and they're in Hollywood now is uh, their Heaven's Gate room got them in trouble. Because when they were in San Diego, those are authentic beds. Like, those are right. legit. Like, most of right. the stuff in the room is right, from... Right, right. Heaven's Gate. Okay. And they bought it at a police auction, but this created so much turmoil in the community that they got evicted from their first museum. Whoa! Yep. So they bought the museum in Hollywood, which is also where Pink Floyd recorded. So you know how it's, like, really quiet and creepy in there? Yeah. It's because it's an old recording studio. Oh, nice. It's The walls are filled with sand. That's why you're just like, I'm trapped and quiet! Oh, uh-huh. that's great. That's great, because you can't hear other people gasping. It's almost surprising. Yeah. When you see people in there, you're like, when, when are you doing it? You're there? always startled by it. And, there, and it's usually two things. It's uh, friend pairs, yep. friend pairs of the same gender, or my favorite is couple, where one person's <laughs> super fucking into it, and one person is super freaked out that their partner is super fucking into it. And it's almost always the dude. Always, yeah. It's always the dude looking at, like, this tiny woman that he was like, you're going to meet my mother, and then he's like, you're so into this severed head right now. Yeah. It's pretty dope. And I always want to hang out with her. Yeah, because she's cool. She is cool. That's the... So so you go in, you got that room, and then you've got the, um... You've got the... Electric chair and the the, executions. um, Public execution room. Public executions. And then you have dissections, so you've got your um, autopsy, funerals, mm-hmm. uh, embalming bomb. room. A, a picture of what looks like a child doing an autopsy. She, I mean, she doesn't. Oh, look, I remember. She looks that. like a teen autopsy. It's like, like an apprentice. autopsy school video, but it's yeah. the most fresh-faced girl cutting open a man. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a college admissions catalog, except for one of the people doesn't have a face anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty dope. And I remember thinking, I remember asking you, hey, Anna, is that the guy's back of the head? And you're like, oh, that's, that's a scalp pulled that's a down scalp over his face. Pulled down. In front of his neck. It's not a beard. Yeah, we unzip really easily. That's, <laughs> you, can, you can just pull a person apart super easily once you know the same. <laughs> My dad was a butcher. Once you know how to get into a, a like a, a mammal, you, you know how to get into a mammal. <laughs> so uh, we're like build a bears. We yeah, I just pull the string in the back and we turn inside out. And there's like the hopes inside. Um there's there's also a room kind of off to the side of that where you it's just like it's sort of like um secondary serial killers and some there's some black dahlia photos yeah. and there's um some letters. There's a letter from what's the guy's name who uh did the uh the he liked pink a lot. He was like writing letters to pink. Oh, do we remember that? He's not like shit. a real famey serial killer. I know I mean, you're talking kinda... about that. Like he like briefly stalked Pink for a little bit. Yeah, it's real funny. So you walk through and then you're looking at all these photos and there's you know the same kind of because like... it's like the Hollywood Land murder room. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of like pentagrams and just you know Manson family stuff. Ma- yeah, well then there's the whole Manson family mm-hmm. room where they have the real quilts. And I accidentally have... touched it. <gasps> And they have, like, an old tube television playing, like, the old-timey Manson documentaries. Murder 
murder documentaries are not the way they used to be. Like, I love... I love your mommy dearest, mommy deadest, or mommy deadest, mommy dearest. Yeah. I love your, like, making a murderer, these, like, new, super compelling kind of get people in. Like, Very psychological. Yeah, sort of the, the logical bridge of that yeah. was, um, so it went from, like, women who kill to, like, um, what was that one show? I I survived. It was by the same... Same producers yeah. as like um, hoarders, so it had that like addictive sort of like and that sing to it kind of tone in between, that, like sting that you couldn't get away from. Yeah, and um, and it would just be like people got like mauled by mountain lions and stuff while they were hiking and survived. There were so many where it was just kind of like, oh, a bear ate me, and I heard the sounds. Yeah, exactly. It's really gnarly. And then um, and then these really stylized sort of documentaries happened, but way back in the day. When the History Channel was all Hitler documentaries and, like, just black and white footage of just, like, bodies into trenches from around the world. like, gnarly little collections. Yeah, just, they were, you would, like, watch A&E or, um, gosh, what were, like, it was A&E. I feel like early TLC, too. Early TLC, yeah, you would get these, like, old, grainy 70s, like, and... Here we are to talk about the Manson family and like my favorite quotes are from the ones on the tube TV in the Manson yes. room. Like two specific ones because like I just laughed hearing them out of nowhere. One was uh, he was talking about and then the Manson family hid in the woods where they fornicated, did drugs, and ate garbage. And, <laughs> and I just started what cackling in this quiet museum. <laughs> And then the next thing, they were talking about how Manson would, like, be there for every birth of a child and, like, deliver the children. Oh, God. Could you imagine that's the first face that's you see? That's the first face you Just see! Like a, he looks like he's never blinked, and, like, like, in his whole life. And, like, he cut the cord and disposed of the placenta. And they were just like, the reason for this being that Manson thought the doctors only existed to treat the clap. And the, he didn't say chlamydia. The narrator the said the clap, directly quoting Manson. And it was the funniest thing I had ever heard this yeah. man with like this waspy esteemed voice saying uh, the clap. Uh, I love it. <sighs> I love it. Mwah. It's it's beautiful. I hope that that man goes into his home every night and there's like a shrine to Walter Cronkite <laughs> and then like a tear just slides down his face because <laughs> he's like, I had to say the clap today. I was supposed to be distinguished. I was <laughs> supposed to be wish people good night and good luck. And then he ta- he just takes off his tweed and his skin is tweed underneath. Like I just <laughs> I just got elbow pad birthmarks. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> That's the funniest. Oh my god. So, so there's that room, and then you go around, and there's some um, infant uh, mortuary stuff. There's some like fetus oh, yeah. coffins and stuff. And there's a infant death, but the God, what are those called? Memento mori. Yeah. Um, because back in the day, photos were expensive. Yeah. And instead of taking your photo. Uh, they would have you hold still long enough and you take one the whole year unless you died. And that was the last opportunity they got to f- a photo of you and you're not moving. There's a lot of so good photos. So it's a photos. great time to get a photo of you. And they would just kind of paint in rosy cheeks and they did this with babies like all the time because back then we couldn't keep babies alive. Yeah, and if you think about it now, what we do is we pay some photographer $400 to take a child into a studio that's yep. 89 degrees, and then that's how they get the babies to sleep. That's how they do that. Oh. Those little sleepy baby videos, they heat them up like a comedy club. And get us his microwave and babies. I know, right? <laughs> and, then we, and, then, and, then, and that's why the parents always look a little sweaty in those photos. 
I thought it was just because they knew that they had birthed a fortune. That too. Like that I just too. I just put forward a model that's gonna fall asleep with the tulip headband. Yeah, and now I'm rich. Exactly, exactly. So they um that you leave that room mm-hmm. and there's a hallway and there's a lot happening in that hallway. Oh yeah. So you've got you've got your uh, gnarly old timey pictures of car accidents, like pre seatbelt car accidents, which are really yeah. Like guy up in a telephone pole car accidents. Yeah, here's the thing. I worked at a I've worked at a lot of different facilities driving people around, like mm-hmm. um, uh, places uh, rehabs, pl- group homes, halfway houses, places for people with disabilities. And you would not believe how hard it is to get people to wear a seatbelt. I have to like pull over the side of the road like an old lady and be like, the car doesn't move until you put your seatbelt on. Ah, uh, but they can really stand to look at those pictures of people that just like flew. Out of the top of these giant steel machines, just flew just vertically that into a telephone pole. as breakable. Yeah. And they would pass through sheets of metal. Studebakers. You know, like, like just, just he, tanks. Tanks. And, uh, yeah, people just fly out the top of them because physics is weird. And car our bodies are, are bouncy. Are, yeah, our bodies are super bouncy, and uh, you can't smash two two big metal monsters together and not have something fly out the top. That's just the way it goes. Um, so there is that. But if you take a left down that hallway, a special left. There's a very it's you wouldn't the <clears throat> Museum of Death is really interesting what it doesn't play up and what it does play up. So it yeah. starts out which is like a random room full of just artwork from the worst serial killers in American history. Yep. Um, and then, which, oh, we have to go back to the um, How to Kill a Fat Lady from that room at some point. Oh, Son <laughs> of Sam? Yeah. How to Kill a Fat Lady. Real funny. Um, quite the sense of humor on Son of Sam. <laughs> um, quite the artist. Quite the artist. Uh, <laughs> just the big uh, feet. Just the, the big round feet. Oh, my God. They're, it's pretty great. Um, so you go, you go down this hall, and there's no... Warning. There's no. There's no sign. There's nothing telling you this is the most intense thing the entire the entire museum has to offer. Exactly. Because honestly, if you hold everything up next to it, it's not as it, in your face as this exhibit. It's it's incredible. So I want you to imagine a time. So if you're listening to this podcast, I yeah. want you to imagine a time. Just imagine a time where like it is the early '80s. Is it the 80s or the 70s? I want to say, like, early 80s because early 80s. she had some crispy bangs in the photos. Oh, my God. So imagine imagine it's the early 80s. You have in front of you one of those blankets with a unicorn that you got at the yeah. county fair. Um, there, Like, Rush is playing in the background and, like... All of the coke. All of the coke in the world. And I think there's. it's interesting because... Were they identified as coke addicts or as methamphetamine addicts? I think it was methamphetamines. They really do look very mathy. Yeah. Uh. They're very, they're, so there's this... Co- okay, so here's the story. And I wish... How did that first sentence go? Because they call her... They repeatedly call this woman a bimbet. So there's... That's even more insane. <laughs> the description is insane. So you round the corner and there's all these photos and they're like 80s... Like taken on a like on a like a not a Kodak Polaroid situation, but like a regular film camera. Yeah, 
and it is two completely nude um, rednecks. Yeah. Uh, one of which the woman is incredibly thin, and the man is still wearing his socks and has tattoos. Which is somehow more horrifying that he kept his socks on. So horrifying. So, because they're brilliantly white socks, by the way. They're like yeah. brand new, brand new tube socks, fresh out the package. And he's, they're both entirely nude, and what they've done is they have killed her husband? Her husband. Her husband. Because she distracted him with a beeger. Yeah. While her lover uh, got him from behind. Yeah, so she's giving him a blowjob. Lover comes around, stabs him, or cuts his throat. Cuts his throat. Cuts his throat, okay. And then they proceed to dismember him, but they dismember him in a way that is real funny. Here so. comes the meth. <laughs> <laughs> this part is where the meth plays this is, in. <laughs> like, it's, re- it's actually, like, like, comedically... They they have some got, good gags going on here. The instinct is good. The literal execution Very is literal. flawed. Like like uh, there's like the old comedy scene can appreciate what they're accomplishing here. Basically, it's, she <laughs> cut off his dingus and put it in his mouth and yes. then posed with it. Well, they also st- before they cut it off, they also stuck a knife just in it and posed with it. Yeah, which was fun. So they go. They posed with the foot. They they took his foot off and posed with the foot. Foot's gnarly looking. This is a working man. This is yeah. also like a very large Ron Jeremy looking man. To give yeah. you like an example, he's also very eighties, um, and he's got like a mullet and a mustache, and he. The best way I can describe it is you know, before he was covered in his own fillings, he probably had a farmer's tan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just, like, all socked hand and sadness. Yeah. Like, just... So they cut off his dick. They pose with a knife in the dick. They put the dick in his mouth. They take the foot. They pose with the foot. They put the foot in his mouth, like the toe. They put a, fingers in his nose. Fingers in his nose, which that, where you're just like, okay, crazies. That's actually... You were trying Because it's kind of funny. Like, 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 objectively, it's funny to put a finger in a nose. Like... In a Tom and Jerry's, or itchy and scratchy, it's very itchy and scratchy in real life. Yes, 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 yes. And when you're taking, and you can tell that, like, it's really interesting because there's a lot of bloat in the extremities after yeah. they take it off. And so, like, he's, um, and, and there's no, it hasn't been long enough to start any gloving. He's not moist in any way. So his extremities are just, like, super swollen. So everything they cut off is now, it's like, puffy. Pl- puffy and purple. He's already sweating. Super weird. <laughs> and they're both aggressively naked posing with these things They're kissing the each other 80s amateur porno naked yes and then the caption next and to her it, bush is 35% of her body weight it, she is the skinniest woman which is a just a just a beautiful giant natural 80s, 80s bush bush like if she were a lego figure it'd be its own piece And the thing about the caption is, what happened was they had a friend develop the film for them, but it was somebody else that worked at... They had to do the photo processing. That did the processing, that saw it, and turned them in. And the guy that wrote the caption, he wrote it in that, like, very 80s, unsolved mysteries, like, I'm doing a lot of puns. And he hates women. (laughs) Because he's just like... 
like, don't get involved with a suggestive bin bet. And it's like, there's no pussy good enough to put that idea in your head. It had to have been there before. And for sure, she was on so many drugs, she was all angles. Like, there was not, mm-hmm. not a curve to be found on her. Like, there's no... There's no thing to hold on to and be like, I would kill a man for these for, hips. It's just a drug-fueled madness, the whole thing. And, and every time I'm in that hallway, I'm like, just a nauseous, sweaty mess. And the first time I saw it was actually, I had gone with uh, Adam Brown, and he walked into that hallway, and a friend of mine had told me not to go in there previously, because she knows what I can handle, and she was right. Because I walked in after, I'm like, I'm fine with this, and I stepped into the hallway, and they went, Bleh, like, just that dry heave noise, and I just walked on out over to Heaven's Gate, where I can handle myself. Yeah, it's really, it's just really interesting how that, for sure, is the, like, the tipping point right yeah. there. You know what I mean? That's the, like... Because you can definitely see, I think it's because it's in color. And a lot of the photos up until that point haven't been in color. They They were in black and white. Yeah. You couldn't really, like, discern anything in your head. Because even in the uh, public execution room. Where there's a head. There's there's a head. head. It's in black and white, so you're kind of removed from it. Like, the most I ever felt uh, nauseated by something in the public execution room was they have a prisoner's last clothing that he wore before he was electrified. They got people goo on it. They got people goo on it. Because I asked the guy who worked there, I'm like, what's that goop on it? And he goes, have you ever seen a hot dog cook too long? And I'm like, why would you use that descriptor? I love hot dogs. It's also, like, the perfect descriptor, though. I mean, it is. He's like, you know how a hot dog gets sweaty? And I'm like, eh. Yeah, people just... No, I just want my hot dogs grilled. How many states still use the uh, electric chair? I want to say 12. I feel like I'm off. I feel like it's a number I've heard recently, and I think it's 12. You know what's interesting about uh, modern execution? We shouldn't do it, first off. Yeah. Like, come on. It's expensive, the appeals process. Like, on a practical level, let's say you are the most Republican, Republican human. On a practical level, we shouldn't do it anymore. It's expensive as fuck to go to trial for it. Yes. Crazy expensive. It is expensive to operate if it's, um, if it's, um, uh gas chamber yeah. or um, uh, what do they call the chemical one where they just lethal injection lethal injection if it was lethal injection I think just, it's like a like a potassium mix that they inject into you it's crazy expensive it's crazy crazy expensive um, it stands to reason that it would be more effective less painful over time and probably um, less expensive to just shoot someone I mean, I feel like Firing firing Squad was one of the cheaper ones. Now, the cheapest and the most terrifying when it comes to talking about humanity is guillotine. Because the guillotine wasn't initially popular because it was too fast. Uh, Right. When people, because people would go to public executions the way we were just kind of like, sick, survivors on. And yeah, now we have Dancing with the Stars. Now we have Dancing with the Stars, because it's just kind of like, <laughs> your inside's dead. Uh, <laughs> but, like, people liked hangings, and people liked lions, yeah. and people liked quartering, because it was something that took a while, and it was just like, oh, me and uh. the kids can spend a Sunday. Ugh. And they didn't like guillotines, because it was too fast. But then the guillotine blew up in popularity, because they found out quantity is now an option. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing is, one of the last people executed by the guillotine was the guy who invented the guillotine. Of course. Uh, because life, uh, uh finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he'd end up there. Um, one neat fact I actually have for you is, um, 
So as we're taking you on this mental tour of the museum and you go through uh, where the guy, the cabinet where the guy from NXS hung himself and yeah. like death squads and cannibalism, you get to a very sweet room almost and that's the taxidermy room. Oh yeah. Which is charming. Do you know where most of the animal collection came from? Where? Anton LaVey's personal collection. Of course. Of course the big daddy of Satanism gave us this beautiful gift of Liberace's cat candy uh, and Jane Mansfield's chihuahua. Yeah, they're terrifying, by the Mm -hmm. way. They're... There is, it is sweet. Also, uh, kind of before that, too, there's a lot of skulls, which if you're into cranial anatomy, that's kind of fascinating. Kind of fascinating, because you're looking at, like, a giraffe skull, and you know, if you ever handled bone, and you've handled, like, a plaster replica, a plaster Mm -hmm. replica of a skull is heavy, whereas a actual skull is just light and feathery and it's the pop chip. It's very air filled. Yeah, it's very, it's like a pop chip. Did you say pop chip? It's like a pop chip. It's just very, it's (laughs) delicate, it's intricate, it's beautiful, and it's um, because the the type of bone tissue Mm. is sort of a spongy tissue. Yeah. Um, But it's it's gorgeous, and then you go around the corner and you've got the Heaven's Gate, which is pretty dope. It's Mm. pretty cool. It's like looking into like, this was somebody's last moments. It's a really interesting, and one of the things they bring up is they said when they bought it, it did have a very Remarkably unmistakable people smell to it. Whoa. Uh, One thing I did want to ask was uh, we both have the same fascination with the Museum of Death in terms of like it's oddly relaxing for us. Where did your kind of comfort when it comes to death start? Ooh, uh, that's a great question. When I was, um, okay, so my parents uh, broke up when I was about 12, Mm. and my stepmom. Uh, kind of moved into the picture and she is a lovely lady who wears like sweater vests and pearls mm-hmm. and works in a bank and her parents both passed away when she was really young mm-hmm. and she loves true crime and her son it's always those pearl clad dames loves it <laughs> loves it loves it and she actually and her son is really into like horror movies and my mm-hmm. parents were not like horror movie people my dad was a very like action movie person so I'd seen yeah. a lot of like Stuff that I probably shouldn't have seen when I was a kid. I really liked, my mom really liked uh, David Bowie, so we always watched, like, The Labyrinth. So I liked creepy, weird things. Yeah. But she exposed me to a lot of things, like, she showed me Pulp Fiction for the first time. She showed me, um, she showed me some, like, really cool, uh, I kind of, like, went down that whole John Waters, like, divine, kind of, like, just, just, I just was that weird kid. I was that that very, like, subversive, in-your-face, like, first journey down and I'm not supposed to be here. Right. And so what she would do is she'd be reading these true crime books and she would like come out and be like, I'm reading this great story about this mom that like traps her kid in a closet and then like feeds her daughter like nothing but dog food. And then when she was skinny enough, she put her in a trunk, took her out to field, burned her. And I'd be like, cool, what's for dinner? (laughs) And um, so, so I didn't really like do much with that and then my parents passed away my my dad passed away and then my mom passed away mm-hmm. like almost 10 years later and um my when my dad passed away it was really interesting when you experience death mm-hmm. when you're kind of young and when you experience somebody dying in front of you like my dad was this like big strong latino man mm-hmm. and he just withered into just nothing in mm-hmm. front of me and and so, but I never, uh, I never shied away from, and he was also a butcher, so I was, like, behind butcher counters sometimes. Yeah. We would go to, like, 
uh, cookouts and stuff, and I'd, like, be playing with a thing, and then he'd be like, don't get too close to that, and then, like, <laughs> later on, like, there'd be this delicious dinner. Um, so, like, there was... Um, uh, it's just sort of, and I was grew up in a farming community, so there was always like you go to the grocery store and you would see like a young lady, a picture of a young lady like with a beautiful cow or like with a goat or with a pig, mm. and in her like FFA gear, and then you would look down into the meat like counter and you would see what that was. So it was like this real sort of. You know where everything comes you know, from. There's no mystery to it. There's no mystery. There's no mystery at all. And so there was no, there was, animals weren't, we had pets, but food supply wasn't precious. And mm. you, you knew what that was. Um, and then my dad passes away and my stepmom, who's been in the Museum of Death way before me, like back mm. when it was in San Diego and then when it moved to LA, like we, one Christmas, cause my dad passed away in like, uh, November of 1999. Mm. So my we li- didn't want to do Christmas or Thanksgiving the following year. Mm. So we just sat in our pajamas and we watched Investigation Discovery. My favorite channel to watch with my mom. Best best channel. It was like early days of Investigation Discovery, so they were using all those old documentaries. Those a lot grainy of grainy footage with a uh, detective with exactly my glasses. Yes, uh, yes. These avi- the gold aviators that say, I've been working on this for a while. My wife is about to leave me. Yeah, and we ate nachos and sandwiches. We had like a snack party. It was the most, it was probably the most fun I'd ever had at a holiday. It was the first time somebody told me, this doesn't have to be a precious time. Like, you can just, like, have a good time. Yeah. And through that, it was just like, oh, and then she oh, she also, like, watched any movie about a serial killer, like the Son of Sam movie. Oh, yeah. I watched a lot of the Jeffrey Dahmer ones with my mom at some point. Yeah. Uh, so. I actually got recommended an Ed Gein book in high school. Not nice. Ed Gein, John Wayne Gacy book called The Last Victim, which you should totally read about a guy Ooh. who wrote letters to him in high school until Gacy eventually, like, convinced him to visit him in jail and corner... It's the most insane story. But about... He was, like, the last person Gacy even managed to, like, bring to him. Right. It's an insane story. It's it's incredible. It's incredible the relationships that these very compelling people who have... The switch has been flipped Yeah, in their brain. And I think that's really where, for me, it came from was just, like... Somebody normalized it for me. If yeah. that makes any sense. Like, somebody normalized the fascination. And then my uncle died, and I got in trouble because I kept touching his body <laughs> in the casket. I did the same thing as a kid, too. Because I was just like, they look glossy. Yeah, they don't look, they look wax. Yeah. They don't look real anymore. Um, because guess what? We're parts. There's no person in there. It's just yeah. the suit. And so, like. And they eventually just kind of, like, pump it. Full of like a polymer to where you could kind of poke it, and they're like cold a little yeah. bit, but like in a good way because you're in like weird funeral. Like funeral rooms are cold. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty dope. And so, Latinos love open caskets. Oh yeah, they do. That was right before the Latino side of my family went from being super Catholic, and my uncle Bobby died, and then they became born again Christian. So we'll like never have a fun like super long wake funeral situation no. ever again. Um, but that happened, and then I was an anthro major, and I took an anthropology class. This is like, I'm sorry, I'm talking too long about it. I okay, took good. physical anthropology, which was crazy challenging because it's all mm-hmm. memorization, and I loved the fossil record stuff. And the teacher was the forensic anthropologist for San Luis Obispo County. So her bone box 
was bones. It wasn't fake. It wasn't plastic. It wasn't anything particularly gel. I mean, not, I don't want to say gel. It wasn't anything prop. It wasn't prop. Yeah. It was like uh, legit fetus skulls, like mm-hmm. rigid. And the first thing she did is she pulled the fetus skull out of the box and she said, if this bothers you, this is not the class for you. And we got to go on archaeology digs. We got oh, to so see cool. uh, like an old uh, gold rush settlement. Um, they they uh, excavated the, the um, graveyard. Mm. I hung out in graveyards when I was a kid, like old timey graveyards, because we were in the middle of nowhere in gold rush country. So like same a little bit but different because we live whenever I lived with my Guata, uh, with my grandmother over the summer in Guatemala, uh, she lived across from a Guatemalan graveyard and Guatemalan graveyards are fucking bananas because uh, first of all if you don't pay your rent for a month you will be evicted whoa uh, meaning your body just goes into a hole whoa um, their graves are favela style so they're all stacked on each other like really high like impossibly high like it just kind of looks like a library whoa. file cabinet of bodies. And because Latinos tend to be very cavalier about death, there's, like, uh, mariachi bands walking around. You can, like, tip them if you want to, like, like play at your... Just oh, if you're, okay. Remember. Or there's, like, people walking around with flowers or, like, elote and shave ice and shit like that. And we used to just kind of, like, run around there and be like, I'm going to get corn and read names of stuff. And it, it kind of, like, desensitizes you to it. It's a little more of a... It's just like, oh, this is the last step. Yeah, it's a little more of the, um, and I think that sort of speaks to, like, the dour nature. I was trying to yeah. explain to Stuart the other day, like, Latinos are just dour sometimes because yeah. there's an understanding that you will die and you will suffer and you will, <laughs> like. Our favorite thing to do is tell each other the worst news story we heard this week. Like, yes! I don't know what it is. Like, I'll meet my parents and my dad will just be like, I heard this crazy story about this husband and wife, murder, suicide, are you going to eat that? That happened in Florida. <laughs> and then everybody's like, mm. and then And then there's a little bit of judgment. Like, yep. I would never do anything like that. At and least it's not us. At least it's not us. And there's some sort of uh, a little more of a, uh, there's less shame around it, but more shaming at the same time. It's an, it's an interesting balance. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what it came from. And then I took uh, I took anatomy and uh, dissected a cat, which weirded out my cat. Um, and I then feel they like had it known. <laughs> yeah, they had cadaver lab, which was really interesting. We couldn't touch uh, because it was a community college. We couldn't like touch the human cadaver, but it was already pre dissected. So they were just kind of pulling everything back and showing us the gross anatomy mm. that we needed to see for the class. Um, smells not that big a deal. At that point, that person is super duper embalmed. Um, have you ever read Stiff, The Curious Life of Cadavers? No. Oh, it's great. It's beautiful. It's by the person who did Salt. She always does like, single noun thing. Um, it's uh, the history of, like one of the things you can do with your body, you can have it donated to test landmine uh, protection equipment. Oh, fuck. You, you can have your body donated in very specific ways. Uh, most of our bodies, when we're donated, go to um, plastic surgery. See, that's Cosmetics. what I feel like most of me is going to... Because I'm... Like, what are your... after? Because my plans are donate everything in me that you can, uh, in terms of, like, when I die, just donate everything, and then I'd like anything else to be burned and turned into a coral reef. Oh, that's nice. Because it's just... Because like, I know there's going to be, like, useless parts of me, like, definitely my ovaries. Um... <laughs> 
Definitely my ovaries. We gotta talk about that because we both have we both got crazy. We have lady haunted parts. uteruses. Like our insides have seen some shit, and like I just want because I know nobody's gonna want that. Like that and my lymph nodes. That's probably gonna be Maybe not. I. Nobody's gonna want those. Um, but everything else, I want to go to someone, and then I just want to be a reef so fish can live in me. I think I'd like to. My dad was a tree. They they put him in with really? a tree. Really? Where is he? Uh, in a house that my stepmom lost in a subsequent divorce. It's <laughs> <laughs> so dark. It's so I dark. would visit that family and be like, can I miss, can I move my tree can dad? Get, can I get my dad? Uh, <laughs> left, sorry, left my dad here. Uh, also his, we, we have his ashes. We still have some of his ashes and she, there's a closet mm-hmm. and a lovely double wide trailer home in San Luis Obispo <laughs> County with my dad, my aunt, a cat. A dog, and they're all there. And then part of my dad's in Hawaii, and part of him is in Costa Rica. So like, he's a little bit everywhere. He's a little bit of everywhere. He's a little bit everywhere. Um, but yeah, it's uh, ashes uh, don't completely break down all the way. By the way, it's real hard to burn. It's really hard to burn a person's bones entirely. So I there's imagine. like usually some chunky chunks in there. Like you get a little bit of fragment, I imagine, or like a little bit of knuckle. Yeah, a little bit of bone fragment. Um, uh, but yeah, there's, uh, I don't know. I'm not weird about it anymore. What do you want to be when you're dirt? Uh, I want to go back into the ground in some way, mm-hmm. go back into the world, uh, because it's a waste of, of course, donated. It's just a waste. I, I wouldn't mind being a drag queen's new booty. That'd be kind of fun. That would be real fun. Right? Just because like live eternally shaking. Like, and, eternally seeing that walk. And, like, you know how people visit donor, I mean, the don like, the people that receive the donations a lot of the time? Yeah. How great would it be for your loved ones where it's just, like, every time you want to visit Anna's booty, you have to go to drag bingo? Yes! That'd be really funny. Uh, I, because I had so many friends whose, like, loved ones survived off of donated mm-hmm. organs, it was one of those things where I'm just kind of, like, how can I not... Although I, like, did grow up around truthers where they are just like, they'll unplug you if you click duck. Yeah. That's that's an Orange County mentality. Um, they'll unplug you. But anytime I talk about that around family, sometimes they'll get, like, kind of uncomfortable. Like, what? I'd rather you know than it'd be an argument if something happens. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because that is, you know, my mom died really quickly, but my dad mm-hmm. did not. And when somebody takes a long time to die, you can get... There's a selfish nature to death where you're like, you don't want that person to die. And I can imagine in that mindset, you wouldn't want them to leave. In any capacity. And I think that's how you end up with people who are, like, kept alive on respirators for entirely too long. Oh, I have told my mother, because um, my dad has kept every dog he's ever owned alive for far too long. That's the thing my stepmom did after my dad died. Like, they'd be, like, 15 years old and just, Mm -hmm. like, please kill me. And because of this, I was like, I don't trust dad to know when to pull the plug because I've seen our dogs just kind of like, I'm all tumor and life is pain. And <laughs> like, like Kyle Clark's tumor bit. Yes, exactly. I, got, I still got some good dog right here. <laughs> a little piece that you could pet right here. And like every dog my dad's had has been like, oh, wow, drinking water is a nightmare of pain and misery. And so I looked at my mom when I was like looking at my 17-year-old dog and I was like, you were the only one allowed to pull the plug because you you will pull it quickly. Oh yeah, like just 
don't let me hold it. Just pull it fast. I, I want to go fast. I don't want to hang there. I don't want an I have no mouth, but I'm a scream situation going on. Just unplug me. My dad was the opposite of that. We had all our pets, like, if the vet bill was over a certain amount, that that dog was not coming home. <laughs> <laughs> that dog was not coming home. <laughs> you keep it. That was literally, they had a, um, we and we had a dog that I'm pretty sure my dad liked more than m- me and most other huh. people in the world. Uh, Leo had lupus, and my dad was just like, yeah, put him down. No, it's kind of a treatable illness. <laughs> but my dad was like, "I'm not doing medication every month for a dog." No, <laughs> it's I did a that. dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did that for most of my because my dad's dog. My dad doesn't like people, but he loves his dogs, so he'll see. Yeah. He goes. He goes a little, little far. My mom, more than anything, is she's kind of like a bleeding heart for anything that suffers. So, like, even people, when they're just kind of, like, being forced to have treatment when they don't want it, mm-hmm. and my mom's just kind of like, let her go. She wants to go. Yeah. Because she was like that with my aunt, or with my aunt, where everybody was like, she was like, I don't want to do treatment anymore. I don't want to, you know, hang on if there's no reason for me to hang on. And a lot of the family was pressuring her, and my mom was the first one to be like, no, bring her home. Let her die the way she wants to die. She wants to die at home amongst her family, and... Right. And nobody was willing to stay with her. My mom was like, fuck it. I will. And that's why I'm like, you're the only one with the mentality that I want until you're my ride or die. Literally. Uh, Yeah. But uh, to this day, like, I'm still, I think because of that, that's why I'm so just let someone go the way they want to go when it comes to, um, I forgot the word for when you're sick and you're not going to make it. Uh, Terminal. Terminal. Mm -hmm. Uh, when someone's terminal and because of that she's kind of giving me like that empathy implant when it comes to like just let let somebody have the treatment or not treatment that they want let them refuse if they need to and i i think that's the calming elephant (laughs) elephant that's right the calming element of the museum of death yeah is that most of the people go quickly yeah most of the individuals go quickly and without a tremendous amount of trumps. Now, I mean, not saying that there aren't some terrible, grisly murders that happen in there. Because, yes. But uh, the Heaven's Gate folks believed they were going to a better place. The guy who was killed by his crazy bimbat wife died before a lot of the, the dissection occurred. Like, and maybe he came. And maybe he came. He died getting a blowjob. And I think that kind of takes the mysticism of it from you, where you're just kind of like, well, it's going to happen to me. At least I know, A, it'll be quick, or B, I'm not going to be dissected like the Dahlia. Right. All of them are just kind of like, I don't lead a Dahlia life, and I don't lead a Manson life, so I'm going to be fine. Unless, like, I fit a profile of a very specific serial killer. Yeah. And the the other thing is kind of confronting the mentality of what makes somebody different. What makes somebody a yeah. cult leader? Because there's also, like, the cult leader things. There's the Children of God clippings yeah. and stuff like that. If you're not familiar with Children of God, they're a uh, beautiful religion um, that centers around <laughs> sex with children. <laughs> um, super creepy. And uh, the very famous actresses came out of that. Um, 
Wasn't it Rose McGowan? It was Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan, Rose McGowan was when, was in Children of God. And there's some insane documentaries about it. And um, John Fahey and I share the same fascination with cult leaders. Uh, and there was one day where we stayed up, I think, for two hours just talking about, like, our favorite ones that spanned these insane, like, they have full-on cities that just flew under the radar for people. Yeah. Because yeah. they're just charming enough. Charming enough, and people want it. In a world that is such nonsense, you want somebody calming, you want somebody paternal, you want somebody, and not to say that, how many, there's a, a female cult leader. Um, well, a lot of times, like, with Children of God, then women sort of took over. Like Handmaiden's Tale. Yeah. Which is more terrifying. So scary. Um, and it almost makes me comforted because I'm like, oh, that weird dick neighbor that bites his toenails isn't a cult leader. He's just a weirdo. He's just a weird guy. He just doesn't know what he's doing. And um, I think that, you know, when you do meet somebody with that, I have a theory. I've worked in mental health for a minute, and I have a theory. If someone blinks too much or blinks too little, watch out for them. I Charles Manson, great example. That man blinked three times in the 70s if he hadn't blinked since. <laughs> it's funny you say that. <laughs> because I once slept with a psychotic door guy that did not blink the entire time we boned. No. He, uh, I think that qualifies as a sexual assault. <laughs> First he played freeform jazz, and then I said, can you turn off the jazz? Freeform jazz! Oh, get ready for this roller coaster. No! Okay. First he played freeform jazz, and then I said turn off the jazz, and then he turned on the movie Bound because he said he can usually come to Jennifer Tilly's voice, and I didn't leave. Uh, and then as he asked me questions about my childhood while he was in me, uh, he didn't blink. I was staring at his face, no blinking. Okay, do None. I know this person? Can we talk about this off? Off mic? Off I'm going to ask if you know this person. And, um, like, half the time, I was just looking up at him. I was, like, my brain was just like, blink. Please blink. Blink. Oh, my God, blink. It, am I going to die? Please blink. I, I will say this about comedians. Uh, the best and the worst, a collection of the best and the worst lays in the history of mankind yeah. are all comedians. <laughs> like, And the worst, not, like, just lame duck worse, but, like, oh, you'd have to write this kind of worst. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, the kind... And then also the best in the way that, like, someone should put this in a rom-com, because it's very funny, or it's very passionate, or it's, it's very, very silly. open and silly, and there's not a lot of weirdness to it, Yeah, you can kind of, like, laugh at the dumb stuff in the middle of yeah. it. Yeah. And we're, like, super kinky. It all depends. Like... I think comedy and also, Because they're like, just extremists. Everybody's Exactly. Extremist. And I think that's why a lot of comedians I know love the Museum of Death, or just, like, death tourism... In yeah, general, just because we don't have that thing in our head that says this is weird, avoid it, and we're comforted by knowing it's there, right? And like, I think the most petty comfort of the Museum of Death is at least it's not me. Yeah, and they kind of say that when you're leaving, they're like, uh, "Well, I hope you, I hope you leave happy and grateful, appreciative of your life, of being alive," and that really is. That really is the feeling that you get from that. They also sort of have a Gigi Allen room, which is 
perfect and also a weird perfect ending because it also has that faces of death tape that all of your teenage like yeah. boyfriends made you watch at some point. Oh my god! And it, then a guest book. Yeah, I guess you can't not make out to faces of death if you're a cool kid. We that happened at some point. You yeah. smoked Marvel. Uh, I mean Marvel. You smoked Marvel Forty Sevens. Yes, uh, and. You watched Faces of Death, and you made out with the weird boy with the long hair in the neighborhood. Yes, it's, a, it's just a thing. That's that's how you make a that's how you make a scrappy chick. And uh, other than the t- the puppy and the two headed turtle, they have running around being whimsy. You're in this like terrifying quiet place for about an hour, and then you step out into a bright and sunny, noisy Los Angeles street, and the birds chirping almost sound louder, and like the sun is almost jauntier. Yeah, and your step is a little bouncier. And you kind of, like, take a, <sighs> I'm still here breath, like, the second you hit the pavement. Yes. And it's, like, it's, like, a really good breakthrough therapy session where you're just kind of, like, I'm going to get me a slushie and enjoy the taste of blue. Right, right. You go from the overwhelming, uh, just too much stimulus of Los yeah. Angeles, and you walk out, and you're, like, oh. Okay, this is, cool. All of this is good. We're good. We're good. And, and you're right the outside of great. Hollywood, too, where it's like that bouncy, colorful part. Yeah, it's real pretty. It's real pretty, and there's ivy outside, and every time I've gone out, it's almost like that cartoon sun smiling down on me Aww. kind of feeling where I'm like, oh, I just needed to be somewhere else for a little bit and kind of appreciate that I'm not in a light fixture uh, right now or that I'm not being made into a couch. Yeah, I think if you are familiar with the Museum of Death and you're listening to this, please tweet at us the parts that either made you gag, yep, or made you laugh, yep, or made you uh, just excited. Not what made you horny. No one needs. I don't to... even know that ever. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this to me. Oh, we for- oh we forgot about we forgot about the Son of Sam thing, right? Okay, so that first room, we can literally talk for an hour about what's happening in that first room. It's in so any room. Much. Every room has <laughs> like an hour. Uh, the fucking um, uh, Richard Ramirez, all the fan letters, yeah. and the. He was okay looking. He, he was, just looks like either of our cousins. He just looks like. And that's probably why I was never one of those girls that was into Richard Ramirez, because I'm like, we could be related, so no thank you. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the set of Sam thing that we're talking about is a letter where he goes, uh, How to Kill a Fat Lady. And it's literally a diagram, all Looney Tunes, on luring a woman with a sandwich, and then feeding her sandwiches until she's so fat she dies. Lots of mayo. Lots of mayo. Lots of mayo. He even puts a diagram on how to make the sandwich, and I'm not kidding. Uh, here's how you draw the way the Son of Sam killer draws a fat lady. Uh, draw around a 25-cent quarter. Mm-hmm. Draw around a dime above that quarter. Yep. Do little stick figure arms in each direction. It should look like that new robot from the uh, Star Wars movies. It should look exactly like B88. <laughs> B88. I forget. <laughs> and then just draw a little bell wig on her. Yeah. And then you have his prison art. Oh, with big round feet. With big old round big feet. Big round feet because if you're going to have, if you're going to be uh, upset with fatness. You're gonna have a part that you hate the most, and it's clearly feet. And for him, it's the feet. <laughs> but yeah, I think you don't even really have to go to the Museum of Death to like be interested or related to it. It's I think a lot of people that might have had issues with depression or even yeah. like tendencies to question like why am I here, or maybe everyone around you's or every, every everyone around you's dying. <laughs> And you kind of get this comfort out of being, like, a macabre voyeur into death. 
Did I ever tell you about... Okay, so I have this bit. Okay, I'm not going to do the bit. I'm not going to do the bit. But you've heard it. I have this bit about uh, going to... Okay, so I go on a date. Before I started doing comedy, two people I dated died. Just, like, right after I dated them. Oh, boy. Yeah. And um, it was one of the first things I attempted to write about because I was like, okay, in comedy you should be relatable, but why Mm -hmm. not also be unique? Because Mm -hmm. we can all relate to death. Yeah. Um, and we can all relate to bad dating experiences. They're Why the not? only two definitives in our lives. Exactly. So, but for some people, they don't want to relate to those things. Yeah. So, um, but the sidebar is the first one that occurred, like the actual first one that occurred. Um, the person uh, was like working for the show Cops mm. and was like shot at work. And my friend had set us up on a blind date. Like, nothing had ever happened. I, mm. I like, I allude to the fact that we had sex, but nothing ever happened. Um, and he, uh, I asked my friend, my friend calls me crying because I just thought this guy was blowing me off. And he calls me crying and he says, um, you know, and I, I want to be good to my friend. So I say, how can I show up for you, you mm. know, in this situation? And he said, well, we're having a service. Would you like to go? So I went to the funeral of a man I knew for six hours. Who boy. We went to a Nick Cave concert, and so many people like walked, of course, which is perfect, by the way. That's like the perfect, perfect last date, right? It's the most perfect last date. It's the perfect first and last date. Exactly. And people were like coming up to me and being like, oh, you got to hang out with him. And oh, he was trying to give away the ticket. And we were just really excited. Uh... But it was just this weird, weird experience to, like, be a voyeur of somebody's death, like a person I literally knew for six hours. He was perfect in my mind. We liked all the same poetry, all the same literature, all the same music. Um, and he will always be perfect because his, my connection to him was six hours long. And then also just the It's grief. the best six hours of a person. It's that introduction. Right, right. So they're giving you the best of themselves. The best of themselves. And he and, and everybody's grief and sort of memories about him. Um, and then I, I shared, like, some text messages with the person who set me up on the date uh, between the two of us. And that was it. So, like, uh, most rational, regular people would have said, oh, man, I would really like to go, but, like, my dog... Hair wash, all my underwear forever, and my car keys. And, like, there's, like, no rational reason to go. Yeah. But being no stranger to death and being no stranger to, like, weird accidental deaths, Mm -hmm. it just made sense to go. Yeah. I don't know why I'm telling you that. I think it's because it's the same part of my brain that likes the museum of death. It's that if I'm close to it... I'm a little bit more secure in my own fate. Right. Now, I like to end this by asking everybody a question uh, when it comes to directing our viewers into doing something similar, even if they're not in Los Angeles. So, how would you... How do I best word this? So, how would you tell somebody who's looking to whether go to the Museum of Death or maybe, like, a graveyard in their uh, hometown or something that's a little bit more macabre, how would you recommend they approach it? Approach it like you're visiting a family member, you're visiting a friend. They're mm-hmm. there. They're there, sort of. Like, there's parts, there's the m- memorial, there's what's left of them. Approach it like you're visiting a friend mm-hmm. and go with an attitude of 
um, you know, joy and celebration and maybe a little bit of fascination. And yeah. there are lots of museums around the world. Uh, and in like there's I can't remember the name of it. There's like a museum of um, uh, military medical oddities. And yeah. there's like all these different things. And or like the bodies museums where there are actual people. Yeah. It just really go go. Go with the, um, and don't be afraid of it. That's the beautiful thing about the bodies exhibits is you watch regular people. They're very scientific in a way that's not super creepy. Yeah, and also not super, like, uh, celebratory to the extent that, like, people are just magic. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like uh, you get to look at what a nervous system looks like articulated outside of the body. You get to look at, um, you get to look at, you know, these plastinated human beings and what I loved was watching people that would normally be like, ew, gross. Like watching whole families just approach the exhibits as if, because it's intimate, because it's It's this them. beautiful display of the sum of our parts and how truly complicated and delicate we are at the same time. Exactly. Cause it's who, awe-inspiring. Yeah, yeah. And don't, you know, uh, don't be weirded out if a thing dies. You know, don't be weirded out. I'm not saying, you know, dismember your pets, but like... Or not to grieve, because grieve, it's part of it. Grieve, super grieve. Um, grieve and, loud, grieve hard, grieve as long as you want to. Yeah, make you know, make it a big experience. Um, t- take anatomy. That's actually a yeah. really great way if you're fascinated with the way... Uh, you're nicer to your body that way. Yeah, you are. Once you realize, like, um, I just found out I have, like, a really specific hip injury, and I know what the pelvic girdle looks like. And so it was really easy to just kind of figure out, like, oh, okay, well, that's the specific joint, and here's the degeneration. I know what arthritis looks like on, um, because because of the archaeology dig, I could see, you could see on the bones that the people had arthritis from Mm -hmm. riding horses. You could see, um, so it's sort of this, it takes the fear of what's happening with yourself and what's happening with your own life cycle away when you know what the insides kind of look like. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Anna V is fun. That's Anna with two N's. You can find me on to Facebook. You can find me at AnnaValenzuela.com. Um, I have a, just a real simple website. Um, I'm a comedian, podcaster, roaster. I write things, you know, um, and uh, real fun hang. And I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you so so much. much. And as always, you guys can find me on the Unpops Network. And July 16th, come down to The Resident in downtown Los Angeles because I'm starting a show called Avalanche with Derek Lemos. Woo! Yeah! It's going to be woke as fuck, isn't it? So (laughs) excited. It's called Avalanche because what do you get when you put a collection of snowflakes together? Oh, exactly. Oh my god, drowned in it. <laughs> so, uh, go out there, take a walk, and do something creepy. Yeah!